This time on Poll Hub, fights over the filibuster linger even after two Democratic senators said there's no way they're going to change it. Do Americans care, though? We're looking deep into the data to see how the filibuster plays outside of D.C. Then Joe Biden recently said he doesn't believe the polls. Uh, the deja vu in that statement for any reporter covering the White House since, I don't know, like FDR. Why you can't take any president at his or her word about what they think of polls. Finally, we're going full dino for the fun fact. Bring him back, bring him back, bring him back. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper. I'm Mary Griffith. And I'm Lee Marinoff. So who's ready to debate, or should I say discuss debate, perhaps the longest debate of talking about the filibuster here? As we all know, a couple weeks ago, Democrats failed to amend the filibuster rules in the Senate, and that took down the Voting Rights Act along with it. But there's a new dimension that we're seeing with the vacancy on the U.S. Supreme Court. Before we talk about that, let's take a look at some of the numbers relating to the filibuster. Uh, a mid-January CBS News YouGov poll uh, asked Americans whether or not the filibuster should be kept, ended, or whether or not they have heard enough about it to make that decision. So 35% of Americans believe the filibuster should be ended. 34% say it should be kept. And about one in three, 31%, think they haven't heard enough about it to make a decision on that. But of course, it comes down to party. 58% uh, of Democrats think it should be ended, and 65% of Republicans think it should have. But there's something else going on here, because as I mentioned, the discussion about voting rights played into amending the filibuster uh, rules. And when we take a look at a recent Monmouth University uh, survey, Establishing national election guidelines trumped preserving the filibuster. 55% of Americans said that establishing national election guidelines was more important. And when it came down to using the filibuster to stop election, Americans divided. 44% supported it and 46% opposed it. Um, so let's talk about this. Where do we go from here? Well, I, I would enter into this by putting a slightly different cast on the discussion. Um, this, this is not without partisan edge to it. Um, this is not without a racial edge to it. Uh, this has been going on for some time. And I guess in 2013, uh, the filibuster was sort of eliminated for the selection of Supreme Court judges. Uh, so that it only would take 51 to get a judge um, uh, appointed uh, past the Senate, uh, whereas other items, uh, with the ex exception of reconciliation bills, take 60 votes. Now, in the Senate, that's divided closely 50-50. I guess that's about as close as you can get tied uh, with the vice president breaking the tie. Um, the fact that you need 60 votes uh, when there is such a partisan divide in the Senate to move legislation like Build Back Better uh, through the Senate uh, puts a whole different uh, meaning to this debate. Um, Jay, I'll get to you in one second because I'm sure you've got more opinions even than I have on there. But let me tell you what this means in concrete terms. Because of the way the Senate is selected, two senators for every state, and because the rural red states tend to be red and the more metropolitan states tend to be blue. 
A senator from California, a Democrat, represents an awful lot more people than a senator from Wyoming. So you end up with a very geopolitical imbalance here. So I'm not going to give a three credit course on geopolitical imbalance. You can sign that up uh, for that at Marist College. But although the Senate is right now divided 50-50, what this means is 41 million more people are represented by the Democratic 50 than the Republican 50. So if you want to talk about it being a majority, 51, to enact someone, it's really a lot more than that, because you're really overcoming a huge disparity in, in representation. I'll give you one more, and then I'm going to let someone else... This, I'm actually, what I'm doing here is I'm filibustering this in essence, uh, but let me, uh, I'll, I'll yield to the votes of- I'm going to invoke cloture at some point here. Yes, I will vote, but here we go. So 67% of Americans support raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, but that can be blocked by 41 senators, meaning one fewer than the 59 to 60 that you need, and they can only represent 21% of the country. That's all you need to know, okay? You can have one in five people, in essence, in the right Republican seats, stopping something that is approved by 67% of Americans. A little frustration out there in the country? This is why. That's it. I'll yield to the senator from uh, from Columbia County. Jane Columbia Rapper. County, yeah. Uh, so the boy, there's a lot to unpack there, and, and we don't have a two-hour poll hub today. Um, first, <laughs> let me just remind everybody that uh, that is what the founders intended for the Senate to be different and the House of Representatives to be representational, the House of Representatives, and the Senate to give power to smaller states. Uh, that is what they intended, at least the one, some of the ones who, who have been researched that, that uh, insisted on the Senate being set up that way. So... It isn't like this is a mistake. This is the way at least the founders intended. The second thing I'd say about, uh, about that is that actually works the other way, too. Uh, 41 Democrats could block something that could have 60 or 70 percent opinion uh, approval as well. So it's not a purely a partisan thing within this case. In this case, it's Republicans blocking something that's popular. But it, it's gone the other way. What I think is fascinating about this right now is that with this Supreme Court vacancy, we would be having an entirely different conversation if the filibuster had not been changed only nine short years ago. So it's not as if the filibuster is sacrosanct, has never changed. The filibuster doesn't exist in the Constitution. It is a rule that the Senate created. They decided to create it. They can make it go away at any time. So the filibuster is something that has been changed and would be a very different conversation, like I said, we'd be having about the Supreme Court, no court nominee if it hadn't been changed. What, what we've been talking about, though, in the last, all last year that got so sidetracked was about changing it for other things. What's interesting to me in the data is not how many people approve or disapprove, but how uh, almost a third of Americans, depending on what you look at and how you ask the question, roughly a third of Americans or a little less, really don't know enough about it, which means they're not paying any attention to it. This is not an issue that really exists outside of the beltway, except among extreme partisans. And that in this case, right now, it's, it's extreme partisans on the Democratic side. I think it has existed on, on the right in extreme partisans to get rid of it for the sake of uh, Supreme Court nominees at another time. So that there, there you go. There's my three credits. Will calls. the Senator yield the remainder of his time to the Senator from Queens? Sure. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to the future in terms of, you know, the tendency to want to change these rules for a specific purpose. 
you know, are we going down a slippery slope here? I mean, there's so much tension and uh, polarization uh, in today's uh, politics and democracy. You know, is this going to be a problem moving forward? Yeah, I think it's part of the the, the gridlock we're experiencing, and and with the Supreme Court, and you know, and Jay, you alluded to the the kind of like discussion we're having. It's the same situation with uh, the selection of Barrett and Kavanaugh to to the bench. Uh, the people who voted yes on Kavanaugh's um, uh, nomination um, represented, those who voted yes represented 143 million Americans. Those who voted no represented 182. So a gap of 41 million people on that. But here's the thing we can't list, let go by on this discussion. And this is what we're sort of dealing with right now. And I think we're, to Mary's point, the future. Um, and this is Black History Month. Let me just cite a, a reference from a, a comment that Martin Luther King made in July of 1963, which happens to be about six weeks before the March on Washington. I think the tragedy is that we have a Congress with a Senate that has a minority of misguided senators, he's talking about race, who will use the filibuster to keep the majority of people from voting. Um, this is not a new issue and it's not without its racial overtones. Um, Johnson had to go around it for a long time because the majority of Democratic senators, a large number of them were from the South and the race issue, the voting issue, all these things are tied together with Supreme Court, which has been largely for quirk of history selected by Republican presidents. Um, and so you have a kind of like a real imbalance right now that's kind of causing all kinds of trouble. But uh, the Senator will yield the rest of his time to topic two, if we want to move on. Sure. Uh, recently, Joe Biden said something that anybody covering the White House, as I mentioned in the open, has heard before from virtually every president going back to the advent of modern polling in the 30s. And that is, hey, I don't believe the polls. They tend to say this when their poll numbers aren't so good. And Joe Biden's poll numbers have been uh, not so good for quite some time since the summer. Um, what we thought was interesting there was not that, hey, he said, you know, I don't like polls, I don't trust polls. Everybody says that. What we thought was interesting would, might be a look at how presidents actually end up depending on polls and using polls. So for all of this, I don't believe the polls. Yeah, they believe the polls. In fact, they conduct internal polls all the time in, in helping to govern. One great example was um, all the way back to FDR, where he used polls to decide on how to handle giving aid to England before we entered the war, before Pearl Harbor. This was a hugely contentious issue uh, at the time. There were a lot of people in this country who did not want to get involved in another war in Europe, and um, he looked at polling to do that. So, Lee, you are not only a political scientist, but a bit of a political science historian, I think. Uh, talk to us about this, uh, the, how presidents like to uh, trash the polls, but then depend on them. Well, it also applies to candidates who say the only poll that comes that counts is the one on election day that's usually said by a candidate who's trailing and is likely to lose um the election um so it applies to the office as well no it has been a common practice uh, in the white house uh if you don't exactly if you don't have a staff person an in-house polling unit then you're using the, either the dnc or the rnc to do polls or you do it through a campaign committee um bill clinton famously uh, used polls, and even when he ran for, I think it was re-election, uh, yes, in 90, 1996, they tested that slogan uh, many times, a bridge to the 21st century. They had all kinds of phrases that had to do with the turning of the, of the, of the, of the clock there to going forward. Um, 
the uh, so it's 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 quite a common phenomena. Um, the only thing that presidents get into trouble with what happens if Joe Biden's numbers go up uh, five or six points in the uh, next six months? Then he loves the polls. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mary, you wanted to get into this. Well, no, I think part of this too has a lot to do with you know maintaining some semblance of calm among the Democratic Party as Joe Biden's numbers begin to tank in, a, in an election year or continue to tank, I should say, in an election year. But, you know, it's one thing for the White House and the administration to come out and say that they don't believe the polls. But, Lee, how common is it for the administration to single out a particular poll as um, President Biden's press secretary recently did? Well, I, I must say uh, occasionally, but uh, not often. Um, and and what, what you're referencing is the White House was very upset with the recent Quinnipiac polls. Actually, they have been upset with them for some time. Um, the Quinnipiac approval rating was uh, uh, for Joe Biden was 33%, uh, substantially lower, about 10 points than uh, the 538 average. Um, and they've been arguing in the White House that this has been an outlier, uh, the poll that's sort of out there by itself and not representative of others. Because they don't really want to, you know, create the perception that then becomes the reality that somehow he's really tanking when the numbers sort of have gone down, but have sort of leveled off. I don't know if you plateau or not when you're down, but they've leveled off. Um, and so the White House basically put out a statement to, you know, discourage use of that poll. Uh it and did create the, the great headline that uh, Joe Biden is, is pressing back on the polls to say, hey, I'm not doing as bad as they say. I'm doing bad, but not as bad as they say. <laughs> well, that was the risk you ran on that. Yes. You don't want to, if you're sitting with 53, you really want to fight that fight. I'm not sure if you're at 43, you want to fight the fight at 33 but, by then but, giving it a second ride of right. attention. But Lee, don't they have a point here? I mean, the, the Q poll really is far out of the uh, out of yes. line of all the other polls that are going on. And we've looked at that. And, and there's a reason why those numbers are different than so many others, right? Well, I think one of the reasons what that we saw, and the White House pointed this out, was that uh, they have a very high don't know, uh, which means when you ask people, do you approve or disapprove of the job President uh, Biden's doing in office? Um, if you get a high don't know, that's going to run your soft approval numbers down. The people who hate you are going to weigh in on that because they don't need much convincing. But the people who want to say, eh, you know, so-so, um, they're, they're gonna, they, they may say, yeah, I don't know. Um, let, 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 let's see how more time runs on the clock. And so as a result, their don't knows, the people who didn't voice in on that question far exceeded what other polls are showing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a quality of interviewing. It's a whole bunch of things that go into that. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Quinnipiac stands by its numbers, which you know, it's all you can ever do uh, when you're attacked by the White House. Uh, but well, uh, but but Lee, there's also no reason to to think that they're that the numbers are wrong. It's that when when people don't want, I mean, we've seen this, and 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 research has shown this, when people don't want to say they're favoring something and they kind of do, but it's just not, you know, they don't feel like doing that. They don't want to talk about how they love Joe Biden because they don't love him right now, but they don't dislike him. They're going to go into that. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not a new phenomenon. That is not about politics. That happens in anything. Yeah. So it's not that they're wrong. It's not the polls incorrect. It's that they just are, have chosen not to push people uh, to make a decision. 
which most pollsters, including us, we, we try and move them into, well, if you had to, to yeah. say what you thought today, what would you say? And in the process, you end up with what's obviously an outlier area. You were going to say something. Well, no, I was just going to say for the poll geeks out there and from, you know, obviously this is not a survey design course, but how do you get those uh, those respondents to kind of box into uh, approved disapproval? Well, I mean, you you do you do double up on the question when, you know, people start saying, you know, geez, I don't know. Uh, you do kind of say, well, if you had to say today, what would you, and you, know, you just get a little bit pushed. You don't have to, you know, you know, become violent uh, on the interview, <laughs> uh, but just got to give it a, on, little, lady. a little edge there. And, um, and, and then the question is, do you, you know, do you want to measure intensity? And if you do push it a little bit, then you can look at strongly approve, somewhat approve, somewhat disapprove, strongly disapprove. And then you would get that soft support and soft and that's uh, disapproval. And, and, and to be fair, that that's what Quinnipiac and us and everybody else did all during the Trump year. I mean, we've always done it. But the Trump, there was a lot of conversation about strongly disapprove, how large is strongly disapprove, and how strongly is approved, and how they didn't move very much. There's a hardcore base for him, and there's a hardcore anti-base for him. And that's one of the differences that, the you know, the White House isn't going to talk about this, but that's one of the differences in the polling between then that administration and this one is that whatever the approval number, what we have seen is that the strong approve is pretty pretty you know flat it, it's it's a number and it doesn't change very much those people don't like joe biden they're never gonna like joe biden they're never gonna approve of the job he does it's the strongly approve that is significantly less than what trump saw um he's just got a softer belly of support it's, it's that may be larger but it's softer yeah and and, and and that's where it is and so you want to be able to measure that but be able to report that and i think that's what the problem was in this is that you're missing that group so you're just kind of like looking like a 33 as opposed to a 43 of the approval rating. You mentioned Donald Trump and, and, you know, it goes without saying with presidents and their dislike with polls. He never reconciled the fact that the Fox poll, unlike the Fox News, was not, you know, singing his praises because he just assumed that that was part of the editorial a dimension of, of the Fox uh, coverage. Uh, but the Fox poll, as we've mentioned many times on, on our podcast, is a good poll. And in fact, the Fox poll right now has Joe Biden with the highest approval rating of all the polls. Fake right? news, fake news, fake polls, fake news, fake polls. <laughs> hey, well, Lee, um, did you did you ever watch the movie Jurassic Park? Well, you know, I'm not a big movie buff, but I'm familiar with it. I've seen commercials. I I, I know what I know too much. Well, that's that, that give you a clue what it's about. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think you're segueing into my fun fact here. And the question being from 1993 Gallup, provided to us by the Roper uh, Center at uh, Cornell University. Do you think scientists will ever be able to clone dinosaurs as they did in the movie Jurassic Park? See, you gave it away. Or is it just science fiction? And the national numbers were on the clone of dinosaurs, 20% will, they think. 71% say there will no be cloning of dinosaurs uh, in Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park fake news. And 9% say no opinion. Um, they and Mary, have... you, had a, you had a very strong reaction to this based on uh, an experience you had, I think. I just don't like dinosaurs. I may be the outlier. <laughs> no, I know I Ashley, so. <laughs> our producer, is, you know, much to her chagrin. Um, and my my feeling is that it's not a question of will they or won't they, should they or should they not? I, I think it comes down to for me personally, 
and it's probably surprising since I have two young boys, I don't like anything with scales. Anything, you know, large, reptilian, uh, amphibian, anything along those lines, not a fan of. And um, I loved the movie Jurassic Park. It totally me out back, back in the day. Um, going through amusement park rides that have dinosaurs, uh, not really a big fan of. Uh, probably too much information and uh, too much of an insight into my psyche. So please, somebody save me. I just think that, that this is, well, it's kind of a cute, fun question. It's also, I mean, it does get a little bit to the sense of science. And we've been doing a lot of talking about how much Americans believe in or trust science. And I mean, if you read this one way, it's like 20% think that scientists will figure out a way to clone and reanimate dinosaurs, right? And 71% think that's not going to happen. It's not whether they think it should or shouldn't. And I think that's actually kind of reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> that seven in ten Americans actually know enough about or believe enough in science to recognize that you know cloning and reanimating dinosaurs is probably about as likely as us you know flashing across uh, to another galaxy or universe or something like in the next ten or twenty years probably not going to happen. Well, and, and the question becomes: Would we want this? In other words, well, Mary you already want... said that. No, no we don't. Do you, Mary do you already not, said no. Who do you want? You got crazy uncle at your Thanksgiving dinner. Do you want also to have a Tyrannosaurus or? If whatever? Tyrannosaurus Rex would eat crazy uncle at Thanksgiving dinner, I would pay to see that. Bingo, There's a movie. Bingo. There you go. Jurassic Bingo. Park 19 or whatever up there. There you go. <laughs> That'll do it for Poll Hub this week. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our production supervisor. The Poll Hub team includes Ashley Marcinick, Marcello Bettman, Athan Hollis, and Emily Fry. If you enjoy Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review. Positive reviews help other listeners like you find us. If you'd like to learn more about polling and survey science, check out the Marist Poll Academy, our free online learning portal. If you have questions for us, tweet them directly to at Marist Poll. Remember, you can always tell your smart speaker to play Poll Hub, and with any luck, it'll cooperate. And that'll do it for Poll Hub this week. Bye.